Hey, welcome to Writing is Hard Work. I am Roger Colby, and uh, this is the very first episode of this podcast, which is basically just going to be a bunch of writing tips for writers like me who are, well, basically just people who still have a day job who write novels and uh, are independent writers like myself. Um, how do you get your name out there? How do you, uh, what are some writing tips that you might have? Um, stuff like that. Also, throughout the course of the different podcasts, I'll be interviewing different um, uh, writers that I know, uh, also local people, you know, uh, who write, um, who've published novels and stuff, and um, kind of pick their brain about some of these topics. The very first podcast we're going to do today, though, however, is uh, based on a very popular um, blog post I wrote called Talking's 10 Tips for Writers. Um, I remember writing this back in uh, uh, April of uh, 2012, I believe. Um, yeah, April 2012. Um, what happened was I was I I picked up a copy of uh, Talking's Letters, and uh, it was an old, it's an old book too. It's really cool. It's like you know, really beat up. It's already I uh, found it in a library resale. And I was like, wow, cool, his letters. So I started reading all of them. And as I'm reading through there, I start finding all these little tips that he would give or ideas that he had about writing um, that I could easily translate over into advice that he might give for writers. Um, so I, I made this, I wrote this, pod, this uh, I wrote this big, long um, tips Thing and basically gleaned from that what Tolkien's tips was. So this is like if Tolkien was going to sit you down, O writer, and tell you, hey, here's some stuff you could do to make things better in your in your writing. Um, so we'll just start with the first one. It's called Vanity is Useless. Um, in a letter to Sir Stanley Unwin, who was actually his publisher for The Hobbit, um, he wrote, I certainly hope to leave behind me the whole thing, Lord of the Rings revised and in final form, for the world to throw into a waste paper basket. <laughs> All books come there in the end, in this world anyway. And honestly, if you read through his letters, you start finding out that Tolkien didn't feel very confident about his writing at all. Um, and, I mean, how many writers look up to him? I mean, I do. I mean, I think he was amazing, you know. Um, if you actually read the Lord of the Rings, uh, you can actually hear a cadence to the to the writing. Uh, the sentences have a weird cadence. Um, and if you read it enough, like me, yeah, you, you find that out. Um, but it's funny that he just, you know, he just, he didn't really feel really great about his work. And that gives me a lot of confidence as a writer, you know, because um, I've feel the same way about my own stuff. I'm like, man, this is just garbage. <laughs> I'll write something and it's like, oh, that was awful. Um, and then, you know, on I go. Uh, number two is keep a stiff upper lip. Um, in another letter to Sir Stanley Unwin, um, talking lists a mound of personal struggles he was facing. Uh, being ill, being overworked, and missing his son Christopher, who's away in the Royal Navy. Um, but he puts all his struggles aside to write The Hobbit, and it took him seven years to write it. Um, 
But the thing that he writes most about in this period is his struggle to get the work finished on his, no- on his novels and to balance teaching and his many duties at Oxford College because he was a professor at Oxford College. Um, so, man, that's a busy schedule, uh, yet he still found time to write The Hobbit. Number three, listen to, listen to critics. Um, he wrote to his editor uh, about comments C.S. Lewis made about The Lord of the Rings. He said when he would say, quote, you can do better than that, better Tolkien, please, I would try. I'd sit down and write the section over and over. That happened with the scene I think is the best in the book, the confrontation between Gandalf and his rival wizard Saruman in the ravaged city of Isengard. He writes that he cut some passages of lighthearted Hobbit conversation, which he, Lewis, found tiresome, thinking that if he did did most, the other readers, if any, would feel the same. To tell the truth, he never really liked Hobbits very much, least of all Merry and Pippin. But a great number of readers do and would like more than they have got. Um, it's funny that you, you know he uses the word if any, uh, because there are many passages in the letters where Tolkien seems to be self-deprecating, like I said about the first one. Um, but he listens to his critic, and his biggest critic was C.S. Lewis, um, you know, Narnian Chronicles. So um, Lewis and he, he and Lewis would sit down at Eagle and Child and talk through all this stuff a lot in this uh, writing group called the Inklings. And um, but he listened to his critics; he really did. Um, number four is let your interests drive your writing. Uh, Tolkien writes, I began uh, the, con- the construction of languages in early boyhood. I am primarily a scientific philologist. My interests were and remain largely scientific, but I was also interested in uh, traditional tales and writing, not reading verse, and metrical devices. These things began to flow together when I was an undergraduate to the despair of my tutors and near wrecking of my career. Um, I love Tolkien's little, little, little witticisms. Um, he's driven by what he loves. He loves uh, old English folklore and um, you know all this Nordic stuff and everything. So that's what he wrote about. He just loved loved those old stories, and so he decided to create his own. And um, if you're a writer, you should write about what you're interested about, um, no matter what that is. I write science fiction because I love science fiction, and I write science fiction that I feel like is stuff that I would love to see written. You know, um, so. That's important. Let your interests drive your writing. Number five, poetry as a road to prose. Tolkien would often write his prose as poetry first and then convert it over into prose. Um, You can tell this also, well, he wrote about it in his letters, but um, also uh, you can can definitely hear a cadence to some some of the prose that he writes. It's very it's a very fascinating way to to write, um, and what it does is it really focuses down on describing words because you really have to be a good descriptor in order to um, write good poetry. Number six, happy accidents. Tolkien writes that the Hobbit saw the light and made my connection with a. Uh, a&U by accident. This is like a publisher. Further from the Hobbit are also derived the matter of the dwarves, Durin, their prime ancestor, and Moria and Elrond. The passage in chapter 3 of Lord of the Rings relating him to the half-elven of the mythology was a fortunate accident due to the difficulty of constantly inter- inventing good names for new characters. So 
<laughs> in him trying to invent good names for characters, he creates this, uh, you know, this whole matter of the dwarves. Um, and, and so run with those accidents. Sometimes they do happen and you should probably, uh, go ahead and enjoy those accidents when they happen. Cause sometimes like in my writing, there are accidents that happen that it's like, man, I can't believe I wrote that. That's really an interesting way of looking at it. Uh, number seven, dreams give us inspiration. He writes in sleep. I had the dead, the dreadful dream of the ineluctable wave, either coming out of the quiet sea or coming in toward towering over the green islands. It still occurs occasionally, though now exercised by writing about it. It always ends by surrender, and I awake gasping out of the deep water. I used to draw it or write bad poems about it. When C.S. Lewis and I tossed up and he was to write on space travel and I on time travel, he's talking about the out of the silent planet, I began an abortive book of time travel of which the end was to be the presence of my hero in the drowning of Atlantis. Um, he, he has dreamed up probably one of the most complex places in fantasy, which is Middle Earth. Um, and by writing all this backstory, he created a place for his characters to, to thrive. Um, number eight, real people make great characters. Um, this is a funny little bit. Uh, he's, he writes that there was a curious local character, an old man who used to go about sweeping gossip and weather wisdom and such like. To amuse my boys, I named him Gaffer Gamgee, and the name became part of family lore to fix on old chaps of the kind. At that time, I was beginning on The Hobbit. The choice of Gamgee was primarily directed by alliteration, but I did not invent it. It was caught out of childhood memory as a comic word or name. It was, in fact, the name when I was small in Birmingham for cotton wool. So he draws on real-life people <laughs> to, to write these characters, and that's what makes them great, is that he's really seen... There, is, there was really a guy like Gamgee, like Samwise Gamgee, <laughs> that he knew. Um, and probably every other character that's in the books um, are based on somebody that he knew or parts of someone he knew. Number nine, you may be the next best-selling author. Tolkien relates the following story. I lived for a while in a rather decayed road, aptly called Duchess in Edgbaston, uh, Birmingham. It ran into a more decayed road called Beaufort. I mention this only because in Beaufort Road was a house occupied its palmer, in its palmier days by Mr. Shorthouse, a manufacturer of acids of, I believe, Quaker connections. He, a mere auteur like myself, with no status in the literary world, suddenly produced a long book which was queer, exciting, and debatable, or seemed so then, few now find it possible to read. It slowly took on and eventually became a bestseller and the subject of public discussion from the Prime Minister downwards. This was John Ingleson. Mr. Shorthouse became very queer and very unbrummagen, not to say un-English. He seemed to fancy himself as a reincarnation of some Renaissance Italian and dressed the part. Um, well, whether you wear weird clothes or not. <laughs> uh, this is kind of a cool story how he relates about this guy who became a bestseller. Um, and, you know, Tolkien eventually did. I mean, he, he's, his books have sold all over the world. Um, but he never really felt like he was that great. I mean, you know, so um, just 
have some confidence. Maybe one day you'll become a bestseller, but it takes work. And um, in future podcasts, I'm going to talk about that. Um, number 10, books you write may seem trite. Tolkien writes, I now find The Lord of the Rings good in parts. This is to say that upon reading his books, years after writing them, his writing experience informs him that he is a much better writer than when he published The Hobbit. You may feel that way about books you've written. Um, I, man, I have several that I'd like to revisit. Um, but, you know, you just got to move on. Uh, you learn from the books that you write. You, the first book I wrote was called The Transgression Box. And I mean, even the title just makes me cringe. Um, but you just have to keep at it. And the more books you write, the better you get at it. So um, that's the first podcast. Uh, hopefully you'll tune in uh, for others as I talk about more and more of this stuff. Um, so next time, uh, maybe I'll talk about something else. I don't know what it'll be. But until then, I'm Roger Colby, and this has been Writing is Hard Work.